Blog Talk Radio. <clears throat> Driving all night, my hands wet on the wheel. It's talking in circles. There's a voice in my head that drives my ear. With your host, Clayton Caldwell. My baby calling till I need you here. And John Harlow. And that's the half past four and I'm shifting gear. Hello, friend. Welcome to Talking in Circles. I am Clayton Caldwell, and silly season starts early every year. Um, we we know that. We we see it every year. It starts in June, July. Who would have thought silly season would have started in April for the 2018 season? Jordan Bianchi, SB Nation, broke it about an hour ago. Matt Kenseth will return to Roush Fenway Racing. He will drive the number six car at Kansas Speedway. He will be the primary driver of the number six team. For the 2018 season, they will phase out Trevor Bain. Um, Kenseth was out of a ride at the, end of the, at the end of last year, left Joe Gibbs Racing when they brought in Eric Jones. Um, shocking news, but here's a guy who, 45 years old, John, and John Harlow is with me tonight in Talking Circles. You know, 45 years old, he could still go out there and win. Matt has always been a big-time chassis guy. We know Roush Fenway's sort of been struggling here of, of recent, uh, especially this six-car Matt can help break down a race team, help break down the car, tell them what's wrong. Um, I think this is a good step in the right direction, a, but a pretty shocking news that it's going to happen this early here in 2018. Well, uh, I hate to say I'm right, but uh, if, I, if we go back and rewind to last week's show, who had the hottest seat in NASCAR? Trevor Bain. I, like, uh, like you, I didn't expect this. We were figuring out how we were going to talk about how how bad Truex's pit stop was on the final time and how Kyle Busch won three in a row. But boy, that, that show script went right out the window. I think um, it's a great move for Roush Fenway. And if you really think about the way performance has been, Roush Fenway's performance has slipped huge since Matt Kenseth walked out the door to Joe Gibbs racing. And it came to a point back in the day when Jack had the big, the big team and everything Jack could only afford Carl Edwards or Matt Kenseth and Jack put a boatload of money into Carl Edwards and didn't have enough money to get sponsorship for Matt Kenseth didn't have enough money to keep Matt happy so Matt went to Joe Gibbs Racing and Joe Gibbs Racing improved like crazy and Kyle Busch and Denny Hamlin both said they learned a hell of a lot about setting up a chassis and getting themselves understanding what the car does for Matt Kenseth and this year you've seen Joe Gibbs other than Kyle Busch the Joe Gibbs cars have struggled this year, and Kenseth isn't there. So now Matt Kenseth going back to Roush Fenway, where it all started for him. I think it'll be somebody who, it'll be almost like, you remember when um, Red Bull Racing first got started, we pulled A.J. Allmendinger out of the 84 car and put Mike Skinner in there to see get somebody who understands what the car's like and see if the cars are wrong it's a driver that's wrong. I can tell you flat out, with Matt Kenseth in the car, the driver is not going to be wrong. There's no doubt. I think it's more of a sure thing. And, um, you know, you, you have to feel for Trevor Bain. It's not been the year he's expected, obviously. You look at him where he is in the point standings. And, uh, you know, it's just we've been waiting for Bain to sort of find himself. I mean, um, you know, this is a guy who won the Daytona 500 uh, back in the um, 2011 season driving for the Wood Brothers. Went to Roush Fenway full-time starting in 2015, driving a six-car, replacing Carl Edwards. Uh, finished 29th in points 
2016, 22nd in 2017. Currently sits 26th in the point standings right now as we sit uh, nine races into the season. So, you know, this sixth team has been, you know, underperforming. There's been no doubt about that. I don't think anybody would argue that they've underperformed the last three years. Um, but Bain, Advocare seemed to really like Trevor Bain. Um, they've been a sponsor with him since his, uh, you know, since he got into the Cup Series. And I think everybody kind of expected him to at least finish out the year here. But, again, Rash Fenway, this is a, a team where they just re-upped with uh, Sunny Delight, with um, Fastenal, and with the other uh, fifth third bank there for Ricky Stenhouse Jr. And so, you know, now they can sort of sit there and try and sell that six car with Matt Kenseth in it for next season. Um, but what's Trevor Bain's options here, John? Do you think Trevor Bain has any options? Uh, will uh, a team be knocking the door down to get to Trevor Bain? What are your thoughts? I don't think uh, anybody's going to be knocking the door down to get to him. I think Trevor Bain, if he wants to possibly look to the 72 car, he might be a better um, he might want to hop into BK racing car, but I'll tell you, I don't see many people. He, he reminds me about the way Danica was. He won the Daytona 500 on a fluke. David Reagan accidentally, I mean, made the wrong move, got made, started making the pass before the green, before they hit the uh, start finish line and got black flagged. And Trevor Bain kept himself out front, was pushed to the win by Jeff Gordon. Other than that, he hasn't done anything. Nothing special in the Xfinity Series when Avacares was with him there in the Xfinity Series, and he's done absolutely nothing in the Cup Series um, as a full-time Cup driver for Roush Fenway. And I've said it to you, and I think um, you and I are both in agreement. I think Jack had buyer's remorse because he let Chris Busher go to JTG Doherty Racing and kept Trevor Bain because the sponsorship. Um, but the performance isn't there. And sooner or later, sponsors want performance. That's why Danica is running one more race at the Indy 500, not running around in NASCAR. I agree. And and, and that's the way I look at it is you sit there and you say, um, eventually, you know, you have to perform in this sport. We know that. And, you know, it wasn't that he was just struggling. It was that you didn't really see the – you know, the improvement that you wanted to see in Trevor Bain. You know, you kind of sat there and said, listen, we've seen young drivers who have struggled in the early part of their career, whether it was Joey Logano, whether it was um, even Kyle Larson at, at a little part, early part of his career, not win races, not really feel it out and um, improve in their third, fourth years. Austin Dillon's been a little bit better of, of recent than he was early on in his career. So, you kind of sat there and you expected it from Trevor Bain, but he had a lot of starts under his belt, running part-time schedules, four years part-time schedule uh, there driving for the Wood Brothers. Um, so you expected him to, to sort of pick it up a little bit faster than the Loganos of the world who had to really change scenery and go to another race team before he um, you know, won some races and, and really started being a championship contender, Logano. So I think you expect a lot of people expected that from Trevor Bain. Um, but we haven't seen it. And this year it's been a really, really tough year. Uh, you know, at Richmond, he ended up, you know, finishing in the 21st position and was nowhere near really being a top 15 car. Uh, his best finish is 12th at Texas this year, finished 13th in 8,500, you know, um, 35th, 37th, 33rd, sprinkled in with that 
just been a really, really tough year. And, you know, I'm kind of surprised, you know, we haven't seen a move like this as far as a move this aggressive from a team in a long, long time. Um, making a, a change in the middle of the year like this uh, with, with a driver who's um, had a full-time sponsor who you expected to be there. We haven't really seen it. So this is kind of surprising. But, you know, you have to start to wonder, too, why is this now? Why did we wait nine races to, to figure this out? Um, and you know this deal probably was two or three weeks in the works. Why didn't this happen in the beginning of the year? Was it just not enough time? Were they happy with Trevor Bain? And then they realized that Bain was struggling, and they said, you know what, we need to make a driver's change. Why do you think this took uh, – the timing is very odd here. Why do you think that is, John? I think part of it is Roush Fenway has redone almost everything in the place. I mean, you look, Robbie Reiser is out as competition director. They've changed engineers. They've changed the um, operation as it is. And you saw some success out of Ricky Stenhouse Jr. And you've seen it sometimes in two-car operations where one car is a little – one driver is a little bit ahead of the other. But if you get a full off-season together and able to work together to move forward, usually the second driver catches up. That's never really been the case for Trevor Bain. He's always been a couple steps behind Stenhouse. And even when both Bain and Stenhouse were struggling, Bain was further back than Stenhouse. Um, I think one of the things is I think Advocare was happy with Bain. I think Jack Roush was sort of happy with the way things were, trying to see if they could move forward together. And I also think they were kind of wondering to see how much Matt Kenseth really wanted to drive. And you remember at the end of last year, Matt Kenseth was pretty much resigned to the fact that he wanted the money he wanted or he was going to sit in Wisconsin with the wife and kids. Now, you can only go to so many ballets and so many preschool uh, parades and um, preschool plays before you go, boy, my helmet over there really looks like it needs some work. And I think some of it was they waited Matt Kenseth out to see if he really wanted to get in a car. And whenever the offer came or Jack saw Matt and they went and talked about it. And there was probably some rough feelings also whenever Matt left Roush Fenway. Because if you look, the one thing Jack Roush is 100% for, he's a Ford guy, and he always viewed Toyota as the enemy. And the fact that Matt left and went to a Toyota team I think there was a little water. I mean, there was some water that needed to be taken out of the boat so they can get back together and try to do this again. Um, But then again, nine races into the season, I mean, it's to the point where that car isn't going to make it to the show. I think there's got to be a chance somehow if Matt Kenseth um, and that car is not going to make the playoffs because, the way the rules are written, Kenseth has missed, will miss 10 races before he gets into the car, and it's not because of injury. So Kenseth's right. not going to get in the playoffs. Trevor Bain's not going to get in the playoffs. I think this is a building year. I didn't see if Jordan Bianchi reported if it's a multi-year deal for Matt Kenseth. This might be the old Mike Skinner thing where they try to get it right and get the real driver in next year, or they're going to do a multi-year deal with Matt, and Matt's going to have a chance to run for a championship in 2019. I don't mean to, to speculate on this, but I, I, there's no way that Matt Kenseth will come in here, dissect what's going on with the race car in 2018, and then Trevor Bain comes back in 2019 and drives a six car. I, I just I find that hard to believe that that would that Bain would be okay with that. 
Um, you know, and, and I think this move is, is with the uh, – with Ra- at least with the intention for Roush Fenway that they want this to happen two, three years down the road, to continue two, three years down the road. Whether Matt, Matt Kenseth wants that to happen or not remains to be seen. I think Matt's going to say, you know what, it's better than sitting out. Uh, I could dissect what's going on with these race cars. They seem to have more speed. I think maybe even this new scanning system has a lot to do with it. We've seen these cars, especially here – since we've gotten to out of the West Coast swing, we've seen these cars sort of level off a little bit where, um, you know, some teams that normally don't run very good are running good. You know, uh, one of the fastest cars on a racetrack in the middle part of the race at Richmond on Sunday was David Reagan in the 38 car. Um, he was turning laps as fast as leader, if not faster. And that, they got an association with Rosh Fenway Racing. So I think, you know, and we've seen some speed out of, the, out of that team a little bit as well as well as Rash Fenway, where, where Stenhouse has qualified a couple of times up front. So I think the assistance as a raw speed there. Now we need help on the long run speed, whether that's, this, you know, Matt Kenseth in the sixth car. Matt can help dissect that. But um, I don't think this move is for Rash Fenway the intention of, we're going to put Matt in for a few, see what he can do, like, they, like Red Bull did with A.J. Allmendinger and then put A.J. back in the car the following year. I don't think that's the case at all here. I think this is a move to get Matt Kenseth in this car for a couple more years down the road. I was, you know, it's funny. We were having this conversation with a friend of a mutual friend of ours and I were having this conversation. I went to the race at Richmond this weekend and I said, we were talking about Trevor Bain because we, we just talked about where he was in points. And I said, if they want to make a move at the end of the year, which I think a lot of people suspect that they might do. I said, man, who would go there? Who would they hire for that car? Who might, you know, there's not a young driver. Ty Majeski is there, sort of their young protege coming up. But he doesn't have much time in the Xfinity Series. He's going to have some time in Xfinity before he gets into the Cup Series. There's no doubt about that. Um, but there's no real young driver that's ready to, that, they, that would leave their organization to go to Rosh Fenway because Rosh Fenway just hasn't performed as good as they normally have. You know, we talk about Christopher Bell. He's an option for next year for several cars. But he's not going to leave Toyota to go to Rosh Fenway, that's for sure. So you have to sit there. I was sitting there going, Maybe it's going to be some oddball guy we're going to see in a sixth car next year. If not, Trevor Bain again, because they really don't have any other options. Well, now they come and get Matt Kenseth and sell Matt Kenseth on this car. Absolutely. I think it's going to be Matt Kenseth in this car for 2019. I hope so, because I mean, at the end of last year, both you and I, all the drivers that are in the, in the series right now, I think we could maybe say five or six I would take ahead of Matt Kenseth. And the way they're running this year, I might be up to maybe up to 10 ahead of Matt Kenseth because Boyer has made a great turnaround with Stuart Haas racing. But the one you have to keep looking at when you're at Roush Fenway, Stenhouse is running good. They're providing um, technical alliance to uh, Front Row Motorsports. And both Michael McDowell and David Reagan are running so much better than Trevor Bain. And I look at it, if I'm Jack Roush, who I've let go, who could end up, who could have been doing better in that six car. David Reagan, if they would have stuck with him and kept him in good equipment, David Reagan is a solid driver. He's not going to turn the needle on the PR front, but he's a good, solid driver. He takes care of his equipment. He's not the, as Tony Stewart said years ago, dart without the feathers. He's got it. He's figured it out. Uh, Michael McDowell's been solid in that 34 car for Front Row Motorsports. 
Bubba Wallace, who Jack let go last year because they didn't have sponsorship for the six car, who was contending for the Xfinity points lead. He was in the top five in points whenever they went away. So there's another driver that could have been in that six car. Chris Busher could have easily been in that six car. But Jack Roush stuck with sponsorship. It's easier to go to Advocare, who Trevor Bain brought to the table, and say, hey, uh, we appreciate your sponsorship, but it's not really doing that great because we have a crap driver. What do you think if we can try to get Matt Kenseth in this car and really make some money for you while you're get your car up front where your people are talking about the Advocare Ford instead of saying the Advocare Ford wrecked and it's lap 38 or it's lap 200 and Trevor Bain has caused the accident that took three or four of the leaders out. I think Advocare probably was very receptive to having Matt Kenseth be the driver of that six car instead of Trevor Bain as they go forward. Now, if I'm Matt Kenseth, I think it's a smart move that his first race is going to be at Kansas. I would not want to get into the car cold and go to Talladega because you could end up with a one race season the way that freaking place goes. So absolutely. Trevor, Trevor Bain going to trooper it out through Talladega. We'll see how the lineup goes and how they alternate them in. I don't see Trevor Bain driving more than five more races this year. No, I, listen, I think it's going to be uh, very, very little. You might see him at, I, I don't know where you're going to see him. Um, you know, we'll see. I mean, the way it was, it's been told on, on I just heard on Sirius, Kenseth's the primary driver there. Um, and I just don't think, you know, we're going to see Bain much. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Um, and so th- to me that, when you look at it, you say, to me it's the right move. I think you have to do something here if you're Roush Fenway. Again, we, you know, you've been sort of waiting for Trevor Bain to, to improve. I think Roush believes that their cars are in a better spot than where they were two years ago. Um, and they're kind of looking at it going, we're seeing some speed from, from Senhouse. Now Senhouse isn't finishing the races as well as they want to do, but we're seeing speed. We're seeing flashes from Trevor, from uh, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. We haven't seen that at all from Trevor Bain. Um, so I think that is what um, people are looking at. Nine seven eight eight nine eight two eight zero. An interesting topic they brought up on Sirius before John was the All Star race. You know, Matt Kenseth is eligible via his win at Phoenix last year in 2017. Um, now I don't know what kind of rules that would prevent him from being in this race. As far as you got to be a full time driver. Uh, you got to make a start in 2018, yada, 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 which he won't, uh, you know, if he makes a start at Kansas, that'll be after the all-star race and after the 600 at Charlotte. So, or before that, excuse me. So um, he'll have a start or two under his belt before that happens. So we'll see, you know, I mean, I don't know if if that's an option here uh, for Kansas to be riding the all-star race and get in the all-star race. I think if, if I think NASCAR will make him eligible and let him be eligible for at least the open. Um, and who says, you know, if Matt Kenseth in the six car can't go out and win a stage in the open? Uh, we saw uh, Greg Biffle do it a couple of years ago. So uh, very interesting. Do you think this has anything to do financially where maybe Matt Kenseth looked at it and said, last year, at the end of last year, I'm making this much money at, at Joe Gibbs Racing. I want to make somewhere near that. Um, and he kind of came back and said, you know what, I'll take a pay cut. I just want to be out there racing again. I miss it to death. Uh, I want to go out there and race. What are your thoughts? I don't know. I mean, I think Matt Kenseth had the opportunity to get in better cars than going to Roush Fenway. 
Um, I think the 88 was an opportunity for him. And I think he wanted a certain dollar amount and it wasn't there. I think the 27 for Childress running a third car for them was an excellent opportunity for him. And the money wasn't there. And Childress was probably wanting Kenseth to bring a sponsor with him. And Matt Kenseth has never been the guy who brought sponsorship to the table. Matt Kenseth is a driver. He counts on the teams to say, hey, you've got a, you've got a marketing department. Go out and find me a sponsor. And Joe Gibbs did that for a good bit last year after Dollar General went away. I mean, they got Circle K in. They got Tide in. They got um, some other sponsors in for him. And Matt Kenseth delivered. Matt Kenseth made the playoffs. But Joe Gibbs wanted the young buck because they didn't want Eric Jones to disappear. I think there was probably a deal in there where it was a one-year to go to Furniture Row with the locked-in guarantee that he was coming back to Joe Gibbs Racing. Or he probably would have been at Furniture Row again this year. And I think it's an opportunity that's there for Matt Kenseth. I think it's a good opportunity. I think it's a chance for Matt Kenseth to go back to where he started and try to help rebuild the organization that was really good whenever he first got there. Roush Fenway was built by Mark Martin. It continued to grow with Matt Kenseth. And after Matt left, it fell apart. And here's a chance for Matt to go back to where he came from and have a chance to um, leave the sport on his terms, not on somebody else's, and have a chance to rebuild an organization that he helped create. Or help make better. Um, Yeah, listen, it's just, to me, this is huge news. You know, uh, how do you think this is going to help Ricky Stenhouse Jr.? You know, this is the thing with Kenseth. I think a lot of people are overlooking this where, you know, we talked about Kyle Busch and Denny Hamlin when he left Joe Gibbs Racing. They said, you know, he helped us so much with these race cars. He helped us so much with everything. Um, You know, if you're Ricky Stenhouse Jr., who I believe is just on the cusp of being a real good and a real solid race car driver. Um, maybe a little toolage for Matt Kenseth to say, hey, you know what, instead of doing this, do this kind of thing, would help Ricky Stenhouse Jr. get those cars a little bit better, and Roush becomes a, a two-car team. There's, no, there's been no doubt, John, that this team has been struggling. Um, we haven't seen the speed. You know, they're not championship contenders on a weekly basis. Even last year when Stenhouse won a couple of races, I don't think anybody thought when Stenhouse was in the chase that he was going to go out and win the championship. Uh, or even maybe you get out of the first round. So, you know, we've seen improvements from that team. 17 car. Like I said, we've seen flashes. We haven't seen much from the six. Uh, but how can Matt Kenseth help Ricky Stenhouse Jr. in your eyes? Well, I look at it is a lot of times a young driver needs that veteran to help him out. When Brad Keselowski came to the Cup Series, Brad was raw. Brad had talent. But Brad also had a year learning with Kurt Busch. Now, Kurt Busch went off the reservation and pissed off a lot of people at uh, Penske, and Roger Penske told him to go away, and he had to work his way back to getting into a decent ride. But Keselowski had that year of learning with Kurt Busch. Joey Logano had the time at Joe Gibbs Racing working with Denny Hamlin, working with Kyle Busch, uh, learning from Tony Stewart whenever he was in the Xfinity car. I think when Joey Logano first went to Joe Gibbs in the Cup Series, I think they tried to put a square peg in a round hole. Greg Zipidelli was so used to anything, whatever he did to a car, it was what Tony was used to. 
And it took a few years before they finally got to the point where they understood Joey. And the best thing that happened to Joey Logano was leaving Joe Gibbs Racing for Matt and when Matt Kenseth came in. And Logano has been a star at Penske. Um, I think it can't do anything but help Ricky Stenhouse Jr. One of the things that helped Matt Kenseth when he first came into the Cup Series, he was Mark Martin's teammate. And he learned a lot from Mark Martin. He's consistent. He's always there. He's in contention. He may not like the on fire, but he's always right in there. And one of the things Stenhouse is, and you you said it, he's on the cusp. Stenhouse has a tendency of putting too many cars in the wall in practice and going to a backup car. I heard a weird stat last week with happy hours where Kevin Harvick went to his first backup car last week at, for the first time in five years crazy. at Stuart Haas Racing. And Stenhouse keeps, I mean, I know he's at least four or five backup cars in this year, in nine races. Yes, he is. So I think Kenseth is going to help him understand that to get to where you want to be, you need this best car under your belt. So don't don't take it to the ragged edge every lap in practice. Find out what you got. Find the edge, but don't cross the edge. And yeah, make I him a better that, driver. that would really... I totally agree with you, John. I think you hit the nail on the head. One more aspect of this before we move on. Um, it's interesting, the timing of this, because Ford just announced that they were going to bring the Mustang to the Cup Series in 2019. Uh, and, you know, I've always talked about last year with Toyota, when you looked at their lab, when they had Carl Edwards, or two years ago, excuse me, when they had Carl Edwards, uh, Matt Kenseth, um, Kyle Busch, Denny Hamlin, and Martin Truex Jr., they had a very, very dominant dominant driving core. You looked at it and said, those are the four best drivers. That's the best team with, as far as depth, driver depth is concerned. You know, and Chevrolet had a lot of big-time drivers because they had Harvick there. They had um, Kurt Busch there at Stuart Haas Racing. And then Ford went out and got Stuart Haas Racing and got a couple of big-name drivers, the Kevin Harvick's, the Kurt Busch's of the world, over to Ford where Ross Fenwood was really struggling. You know, they had Team Penske with Brad Keselowski and Joey Logano, but they needed more. Is this, in your opinion, where Ford says, you know what, Jack, make it happen. We love Matt. He's a proven winner. He's a champion in this sport. Bain's really not, make, not cutting it right now. We'll, we'll help you out if, if that's the case. We want another big-name driver in our, in our manufacturer here. Go out and get Matt Kenseth. Do you think Ford had anything to do with that? I think it did. I also think uh, one of the things you and I talked about, it's the end of silly season last year. Um, we always thought Matt Kenseth was a shot at the 10 car because uh, Eric Almirola hadn't really proven himself yet. Smithfield came in, but they didn't say they were attached to Eric Almirola, so we thought there was a chance at it until Matt Kenseth said, nope, I'm not the guy for the 10 car. And I think part of it, there is so much money-driven stuff this year. You remember at the end of last year, everybody was pissed at Dale Jr. because he said, hey, the drivers are trying to ask for way too much money while he was still driving. And that's where Harvick got in there and said, well, the sport would be better if our most popular driver won more. So you had that uh, pissing contest between the two of them. And Matt Kenseth was quiet about the whole thing. He was, a, I mean, we thought Matt Kenseth was dictating silly season. Whenever he said, nope, I'm not going to be in the 20 car next year. So we thought, okay, he's going to pick his ride. 
and it wound up being nine races into this season before Matt Kenseth is going to, or 10 races in before he's going to strap himself in a car. But I really think that this is a smart move. I think Ford probably had something to do with it. Ford loved Matt Kenseth. Ford hated losing Matt Kenseth. But also, you remember, Ford is the reason Carl Edwards stayed at Jack Roush. Ford ponied up a bunch of money to keep Roush, I mean, keep Carl at Jack Roush before. And it allowed Matt Kenseth. They didn't have enough money at the end for Matt Kenseth, and he wound up going to Joe Gibbs Racing first. I think Ford is saying, hey, we made a mistake there. Um, you're right. There's nobody in the pipeline at Roush Fenway Racing. You don't want Ryan Reed to be the poster boy for the six car. Even though he brings sponsorship no. with Lily Diabetes, Ryan Reed plays more chicken with walls in the Xfinity series than he does winning checkered flags unless it's at Daytona. So if Roush yeah. Fenway wants to continue to be relevant in the sport and not be the back marker that they turned into being, Matt Kenseth is the way they're going to be able to do it. I totally agree, John. I think this was if when the opportunity happened, you know, you don't give Matt Kenseth an opportunity to change his mind. And, and again, this is unfortunate for Trevor Bain. He's a nice kid. Um, he's got a, a wife and, and a kid. You know, you feel for him in a way because you sit there and go, this is his livelihood. You know, and you never want to see anybody lose their job. But when Matt Kenseth says, yes, I'll do it, you don't sit there and go, oh, we got to wait till the end of the year. Because then he'll sit there maybe get in July and go, you know what, I don't want to do it anymore. You say, let's go. Let's make it happen. And – here we are, you know, so um, it's unfortunate, I think, uh, for for Bain, you know, um, but again, the performance hasn't been there, um, and, uh, you know, this is a performance-based business, um, but I, I do think Ford had a big thing to do with this. It, it is interesting how they announced the Mustang, and then it's Matt Kenneth. I think they looked at it, and they obviously have to have to get Ford's blessing. You know, if you're Roush, you don't just make this move and say, eh, we're not going to contact, we're not going to consult Ford about this, we're just going to do it. I think Ford would go, yes or no, on signing off on it. I remember when Kurt Busch got fired in a, in a uh, from Team Penske in kind of a, a weird situation, a weird spot uh, in the off season. Um, you know, they considered several drivers for that ride, and uh, ultimately, why AJ Allmendinger got that ride was because Dodge, who had a previous relationship with him at uh, Richard Petty Motorsports, wanted him at Team Penske. And so that's why AJ that's part of the reason why AJ Allmendinger got that ride because Dodge said we want him, um, and that's a long time ago now. But you have to sit there and say how much pull do, do these manufacturers have in that? Um, and again, I, I talked about it four, you know, three or four years ago. Ford, you looked at it and you went, the driver lineup, Stenhouse and Bain weren't proven. Um, you know, you had Brad and Joey, but that was it. You know, at, at Team Penske, you had Bain, Blaney, who was a good driver but was running part time. And they've brought in they, – they've really emptied up here. They brought in Stuart Haas, and now it looks like they're going to bring in Matt Kenseth here at Roush Fenway Racing. Uh, big, big news of the day, no doubt about it. 917-889-8280. Do you expect there to be a little bit of rust here, John? I mean, he's been out of the car. You know, Homestead was his last race. A lot of people thought it was Matt Kenseth's last race. There was a lot of hoopla around it. Matt never really came out and said, I don't want to race anymore. He, he just sat there and said, okay. Um, I'm going to see what my options are. Never really had an option. But do you think there's going to be a little bit of a learning period for Matt Kenseth, or do you think it's going to be sort of like riding a bike for him? I think it's going to be riding a bike for him. I think Matt Kenseth knows how to drive a race car. Um, you look, he won the next to the last race he ran. He won at Phoenix last year at the end of the season. So 
he won. He know it's not like winning was three years ago. Winning was two races ago for him. Yeah, granted, he had a few weeks off this year. Um, the thing is, Ford hasn't changed anything. The rule package hasn't changed. It's a different inspection system, but the rules haven't really changed. And he knows what the balance of a car should feel like. And Matt Pusha and him have worked together at one point. So Matt Pusha is Fenway. I think he was Biffle's crew chief back when Kenseth was still there. So they've worked together in one way or another. Not Maybe not him crew chiefing the car, but he knows what Matt Pusha can put in a car. And they know what Matt Kenseth likes to drive. And I think the first practice at Kansas, he'll go out and he'll be a top 10 car. And people are going to go, damn, they should have done this three years ago. Or they should have done this in the offseason when Matt Kenseth was looking for a ride. And they should have ponied up then. Instead of waiting 10 weeks and basically throwing this season away. Um, But you're right. Whenever you said, if you've got the option to get Matt Kenseth, you don't wait till the end of the season. Because... It started off, I mean, you look how today started. It started off with a tweet from Jim Noble saying that whoever the mystery driver is, can you please have your press conference before Thursday because I'm off Friday. And then it turned out that Roush Fenway was having an announcement Wednesday at the Hall of Fame. And then Jordan Bianchi breaks it tonight that Kenseth's going to be in the car. Let's say Matt has a handshake agreement with Jack Roush to take over the sixth car next year. And then all of a sudden, Somebody finds out and they go, well, we'll give you another million a year more, Matt, if you drive for us. And he could end up losing the opportunity to get Matt Kenseth at Roush Fenway to help rebuild the program. And he could end up being at Childress or he could end up being at um, Stuart Haas if something happens to one of the drivers or if Penske decides to do a fourth car or something. There's the opportunity there for Matt Kenseth to be in another car. Get them while you can, which is a smart way to go. Yeah, and I'll give you another option, another thing that's that's very realistic. Trevor Bain goes out and wins Talladega this weekend. I think that's a very realistic possibility. Um, you know, Roush Fenway's the last year they had a lot of speed on the super speedways. They still do. They, uh, we you know they only won one race, but Talladega Bain, Stenhouse was the man to beat. And Bain's a pretty good plate racer, you know. And if Bain goes out and wins Talladega, and you don't have this deal announced. Um, you know, maybe the partners in this, Ford, Advocare, sit there and go, you know, you know what, let's wait. Let's wait. He's, he's in the chase. He's in the playoffs now. Um, we want to wait. We want to see if he can figure it out. We want Trevor Bain in the car for the rest of the year. Now he's sitting there going, oh, man, we had a chance. And maybe Bain fizzles out the rest of the year like he's run the last two years, and you don't get Matt Kenseth in your race cars, and you can't figure out what's wrong with your race cars. And you sit there and you go, hmm. Maybe we should announce it before Talladega. So it's interesting on the timing. I wonder if that has a lot to do with it. You know, and again, I think if you're Roush Fenway, you have to sit there and make your team desirable again. And I hate to use those terms, but let's be real here. I'm not sure there's a whole lot of drivers in the garage area um, that haven't already been there that are big-name drivers that would go back, that would go to Roush Fenway Racing if they left their, lost their ride. You know, you might see Jim McMurray this year might have been an option if he's out of the one. Um, but there are not a whole lot of guys, not a whole lot of young kids who are in development deals that would go to the six car right now. So I think you look at it and you say, I'm going to hold them and pump the brakes a little bit here. Um, if, if you did that, you know, you, you might not, you might be stuck with Trevor Bain. If, and if you don't want him in the race car, if you think he's the problem 
and you want to make a change, you announce it right now. So I agree with you wholeheartedly. 917-889-8280, Talking in Circles. Clayton Caldwell, John Harlow here with you tonight um, discussing Matt Kenseth coming back to NASCAR. Um, driving number six carts, looks sounds like Kansas Speedway is going to be his first race, uh, and he'll be the primary driver. He'll be splitting the ride with Trevor Bain uh, the rest of the year. You know, I think Bain's got to have something in his contract where he has to run a certain amount of races or he can file for a breach of contract. I think that's why Matt, that's why Matt's not in the car full-time from, from here on out. Um, you know, but, but to wrap this up, John, um, have you ever seen anything like this where a driver's announced in the middle of the year? I mean, the only thing I can think of, and, you know, maybe I'm missing a, a couple, is when Ernie Irvin was, was going to be the driver of the 28 car um, after Davey Allison's death. You know, and this was a lot later. Ernie Irvin happened a lot later in the year. Uh, and Ernie came from another team. He didn't really come out of not having a team. He came from another team. He came from Morgan McClure Motorsports to drive the 28 car at uh, Robert Yates Racing. Um, so that's the only thing I can think of that's sort of like this, where you had a driver, um, and, and obviously diff- extremely different si- situation because Davey Allison was, was de- died, and, and he was no longer the driver of the 28 car. They didn't really have a full-time driver there. Here's a situation where they have a full-time driver. They're making a move, and they're bringing in a driver who was sitting on the sidelines, sort of. You know, I've never really seen anything like this uh, to this magnitude for sure. I've not seen anybody come from the sidelines, but I've seen a couple of the team switches. And you've seen it before at the end of silly season, whenever you've seen a couple car, a couple drivers were basically being swapped for each other. They did it like the last five races or something like that. But Dale Jarrett left the 18 car after Ernie Irvin's accident in uh, Michigan and took over the 28 for the rest of the season, not knowing for sure if there was going to be an 88. And um, you also saw the, um, when Jeff Burton left the 99 and went to the 30 of Richard Childress racing and Jack Roush put Carl Edwards in, those were about June. You didn't see anything in April. Very rarely do you see anything like that. Um, When I look at this thing, as we've talked about it, and I sort of reflecting on what Jack Roush is probably trying to do, he's probably using the Bill Belichick theory. You listen to Belichick at every press conference, no matter what Bill Belichick says, I did what I thought was best for the team. And they've struggled for a long time. Trevor Bain has been in the Cup Series, what, seven, eight years now? The four years part-time for the Wood Brothers. He's been at least three years full-time for Roush Fenway. And no really And you got to do what's best for the team. And Jack Roush has struggled for a few years now. He went from being... Mr. Ford to being the third team at a no no better than third. And and if you think about it, the average between Stenhouse and Bain and the average between McDowell and uh, David Reagan front row motorsports is probably a little wee bit ahead of them, even though Roush is providing equipments for them. So, and it's not horsepower because you look the same engines that are in Roush Fenway cars are in the same Stuart Haas cars and the same Penske cars. Doug Gates is providing some horsepower. So there's something at Roush Fenway that isn't right and hasn't been right for a long time. And I think you can trace it back to the day Matt Kenseth left Roush Fenway to go to Joe Gibbs racing. Yeah. And that was an interesting move. I remember that when it happened and we were like, I said, uh, had, I don't know if Talking in Circles was around back then. I know I was on a show, College Station, and I said, well, I just think, 
you know, Matt saw a better opportunity at Joe Gibbs and left. And, and, you know, Matt sort of saw the handwriting on the wall. But interesting, very, very interesting. I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do, um, you know, and, and see. I hope for me, I'm a, I'm a big Ford fan. You know that. I'm a, I'm a big Ford guy. Um, you know, and I, Jack Roush has been a team that has carried the Ford banner. He, he, he's been great for the, the, the manufacturer of Ford. Um, and it looked like, I hate to say this, and I said this a couple of years ago, it looked like the beginning of the end. You know, it looked a lot like when you saw Robert Yates Racing sort of shutting down, uh, where they weren't winning races, they leased out their engines to other teams, and they were getting beat by those other teams, and you sit there and go, okay, when is this hammer going to drop on Roush Fenway? Um, and I was kind of shocked, to be honest with you, that uh, Fastenal, Sunny, Sunny D, and Fifth Third Bank re-upped with Ricky Stenhouse Jr., uh, before the year, so uh, in the middle of the year here, I was kind of shocked because I said, "Oh, they weren't really performing that well." I'm surprised they did that. Um, but you know, here we are now, and, and it, it looks like they're ready to sit there and go, "You know what? The heck with this. We're, the heck of mediocrity. We want to run great." And give them credit. You know, it took a lot of guts to make that move. It took a lot of, um, you know, like you talk about Bill Belichick. It takes it takes a lot of courage and a lot of hate from a lot of people to make that move to make the moves he does because. You could sort of be ruthless, but at the end of the day, your job is there to win, and um, they're not winning, so that's why the move was made. 917-889-8280, Talking Circles, Clayton Caldwell, John Harlow. But there was a race this weekend, John, at Richmond International Raceway. Richmond Raceway, should say, took international away. Uh, Kyle Busch, he took the win in the uh, Toyota Owners 400 at Richmond on Saturday. It was his third consecutive victory in the 46th of his career. Um, it wasn't a dominating performance by Kyle but he got the job done. Um, very interesting race, I felt, at Richmond. Uh, the high lane was there at times. That was good to see. I thought Goodyear brought a pretty good tire. What were your thoughts on the Toyota Owners 400 at Richmond? Well, I think Kyle Busch's race, even though you said it wasn't really dominant, he started 32nd, which is the lowest starting position anybody who ever won at Richmond has started. Uh, Clint Boyer in the race for Kyle Reckdale Jr. wound up starting 31st to win that one. Um, there was a lot of great racing in that, in that race and the best part of it. And I like, I mean, it was funny listening to Mike joy, talk about it. They were through stage one and two in under two hours. There wasn't a caution during the first two stages of that race. So you have good competition cars going to the front. Uh, Kyle Busch worked his way through everything. You had some weird penalties. Um, Kevin Harvick going to the back for throwing a um, a socket over or the the lug wrench, not the lug wrench, but the uh, the wrench they used to. They threw a wrench and they wound up going to the back for unsecured equipment. It's a great call. It's interesting because I'm waiting for one of these days where lug nuts become unsecured equipment. They can't do anything about it, but it just makes me think, okay, if they can throw a wrench and that's unsecured, what about the lug nuts that go flying around and they run over them and they wound up hitting somebody else? Um, I think there was some great racing in there. Boyer looked really good throughout most of the race. Truex, great qualifying run, struggled early, but they found it. They got there, and then they had a really crappy pit stop the last go-around. Um, yeah. Kurt Busch I ran well. Cole. Yeah, not to not to jump on you there, but I didn't understand Cole Pern's, uh decision there to take four tires. I know tires were an issue, but 
you know, there was a lot of cars on his lap because of the waiver rounds and everything because there were so many cautions at the end of that thing. He restarted like 20th and only got up to 14th. That's Martin Trex Jr., of course. So um, it cost himself a couple of positions there, but no doubt that the pit crew cost him a, a chance at victory. And Kyle Busch said flat out after the race, the pit crew's what won the race for him because I think he got 10 cars on pit road for how fast his pit crew was working on Saturday night. Um, but the racing up front was great. They were able to go high. I mean, you look, Harvick was uh, flying at one point, and he was about half. A, he was about a groove up. Instead of running the white line, he was running a groove up toward the middle. And he was running lap times at two-tenths faster than everybody else at some points during the race. Boyer looked really good at certain points of the race. I think um, the last few cautions, because at the end, cautions breed cautions, and whenever you're 50 laps from the end at Richmond, uh, all common sense inside the helmet goes away. And there were more wrecks in the last 50 laps than there were the entire race. And you saw that last restart. It was a mess. Boyer could have easily um, made it to the top five with the way with the car that he had, but hell, he got shuffled out. He was 12th, 13th, whenever they finally got through turn two, because he decided the best way to finish, you can't finish first if you don't finish. And if he would have put his nose in the wrong spot, he was going to run a 10, a great run for Boyer. Um, Joey ran great again. Uh, a consistent good run for Chase Elliott and his team needed that. They didn't get the win. But they wound up showing at the end that they had some stuff. The teams that surprised me, and they made a big deal about it on the race, William Byron, and he's on motorsport.com saying he's finally starting to figure out what he needs in the car. And the 24 car was solid throughout the day. Chase Elliott was good in the five. But the 48 and the 88 were purely out to lunch. Johnson wound up coming back toward the end, but he was out to lunch most of that race. He was, and I'll say this, you know, and you're right about the 88 because, like I said, I was there, and I, I watched those cars closely. Uh, Bowman was not great. I, you know, there's no doubt he struggled big time. Jimmy, in the first run and a half, probably the first stage and a half of that race, was not very good. And then all of a sudden, something happened, and his lap times picked up, and he was a lot faster. Uh, and he ended up, like you said, sixth. And it's shocking because we're not used to seeing that 48 car be so far off, you know, like 21st, the end of the first stage, I believe, you know, just not great. And you're like, oh, man, he lost a couple of laps, and he got lucky. There was a couple of cautions at the end of that race to get him his laps back and was able to work his way through. But, you know, he finished sixth on old tires. It wasn't like he had fresh tires and worked his way up through. You know, he was on the same tires as everybody else, and he was way back. You know, he took those waiver rounds with everybody else to get those laps back. So he started – way back and got his way up to sixth. I think at the end of that race, that 48 car was one of the top two or three cars for the last really 100, 150 laps. One of the last uh, top two or three cars fastest um, on the racetrack. And that's a, that's a good sign in the right direction. Now they have to figure out why they're not coming to the racetrack, what setup they used really hurt them. I think it, it hurt them that they started this race a little earlier. A lot of teams weren't, aren't, you know, they're not used to starting this race earlier with the sun up. Uh, usually this race is purely at night and it was sort of a twilight start which i like better because it changes the racetrack track cools down and you see comers and goers um i think that really helped this week this race weekend um as well but you know that 48 car at the end of that race was was really really solid i give him a lot of credit for that um you know 
Harvick was pretty good, like you said. Larson was okay. Brad was okay. Um, Boyer was good. I, I think the best car in the early part of the stages was Eric Amarola. I know he ended up 17th and had some issues, but, I mean, we watched him go from about 25th where he started to third at the end of that, third, at the end of that first stage. He was chasing down the leaders. Um, that was really, really impressive to see as well. Yeah, and it was interesting. I was listening on the radio. They put it out. Um, they played the audio in between the stage of um, Tony Stewart talking to Clint Boyer because Kurt Busch and Eric Almirola were battling each other, battling each other, and Joey wound up getting around him to win the stage. And Tony said to Clint, he says, hey, remember, you don't have to argue. You don't have to fight with your teammates. Make sure you're there at the finish because they probably wore out their stuff trying to trying to battle each other, and, and it gave Joey what what he needed to get past him. Um, I really think the Fords continue to dominate, and you can't argue with it. I mean, all four Stewart Haas cars were in the top five a good part of the day. Um, both Penske cars were top ten cars. Stenhouse had moments where he was up there running for in decent spots until he got spun. Blaney was running decent until he got caught up in the wreck with Stenhouse. Um, the four, David Reagan, like you said, there was points in the race where he was running the same lap times as the leaders were. So the Fords are looking great. I don't know what it is, why Ford hasn't made any changes to running a five-year-old car. No big changes to anything this year. And Ford's in a whole new world. I think part of it is Stuart Haas has a better, they have a year a year of a notebook. I think it also happens that Eric Almirola understands the car and what Patrick ever did. And it, it gives them hope when they have all four cars up there and there's four drivers in the team meeting on Tuesday uh, giving good feedback instead of one sitting there wondering which, what her next fashion line is going to be. Um, the Chevys, Larson is the only real hope for Chip Ganassi Racing. I think McMurray's pretty much toast. Um, I think Daniel Hemrick, his first run at Richard Childress Racing, they were so far off to start that they were getting lapped like it was their job but wound up getting it together by the end of the race where they were running respectable. As we, as we said with uh, Team Hendrick, with Hendrick Motorsports, the 5 and the 24 were solid. The 48 and the 88 were out to lunch until the last – uh, 100 laps where Johnson got himself got itself together, but also the cautions helped get Johnson back into position where his pit crew could help him out and stuff. It was an interesting race. I love Richmond. It's one of my favorite tracks to go to. Um, you see people, like you said, you see the high groove w- working in. You see a middle groove working in. You see the bottom line working in. There's plenty of room to get somewhere on this track. It's a matter of how good you get your car set up to where whether you can only be at one place or the other. The one car I saw could go anywhere on the track most of the night was Harvick. And as he said, there's some things we learned during this race. They couldn't get going on the restarts. There was a lot of teams. If you're on the outside line on a restart, you spun your tires. That's the one thing out of the problem. I wish they would have been able to find a way to make it where both grooves worked on the restart. But other than that, it was a great race at Richmond. It always is. And I look forward to it being in the playoffs this fall. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun that they have two short tracks in the playoffs. It's certainly, um, no doubt, I think it's better than Chicagoland. Um, but 
you know, it's funny you say that on Harvick. I thought I was a little disappointed. I thought he would work his way up through the field and be strong and, and be contending for a win. And he was good. He was, he was a good. He did a good job, and that that team did a, a uh, you know admirable job. There's nothing to hang your head about, but they weren't competing for a win, and I was just kind of surprised by that because I thought for sure we would have seen um, you know that four car going up there and competing for a win, but. You know, like you said, they learned a lot. I'm sure they might have been in, in test mode because it is the chase. They have three wins. Or it is a chase race next time they go there. They have three wins. Um, so they might have been trying something a little bit. And, if you know, they learned a lot. And uh, what, what they're going to bring next time, I'm sure, is probably better than what they're going to bring this time. So certainly um, a, a very interesting race. I thought it was a great race. I thought the Xfinity race was great too, John. Um, that was won by Christopher Bell. It's his second career win. Uh, driving for Joe Gibbs Racing, he held off teammate Noah Gregson, which, you know, Gregson in his Xfinity debut put up a heck of a fight at the end of that race to try and win, and his Xfinity debut could not do it at the end of that race, but a, a good effort there by Gregson. Elliott Sadler finished third. He took home the uh, $100,000 uh, dash for cash bonus. Fourth was Matt Tipp. Austin Sindrick, his best run of the year by far, he finished fifth in a 22 car for Team Penske. Cole Custer was sixth. Ryan Truex was seventh. The run of the day, uh, the, the drive of the day was Jeremy Clements in eighth. A great run for that team. Ninth was Ryan Reed and, and Brandon Jones rounded up the top ten. What were your thoughts on the Xfinity Series race? Um, like I said, Sadler took home the dash for cash. Uh, the other drivers were Allgaier. He spun. You know, Spencer Gallagher had a tough day. Um, and Daniel Hemrick also had a really tough day. Those are the other three drivers eligible um, what were your thoughts on, on the on the Toyota Care 250 at Richmond? I think one of the things that impressed me most with Nor- Noah Gregson in his first uh, Xfinity Series race, it was an incident-free weekend. He ran good in practice, qualified 11th. And um, I think the perfect quote, you get a kid in his first race, he finishes second. And it's, there's a lot of people out there be uh, celebrating like crazy. But Noah Gregson said, I still have a lot of work to do. I'm not in victory lane. I have to keep learning and getting better. That's a kid who gets it. There's, it isn't like second place. I mean, if you look at Ricky Bobby, second place loses. Um, Noah Gregson was disappointed that he didn't win. And he gave Christopher Bell everything he could to get into victory lane in his first race. And it's awesome what they want. They were able to do in his first race at Joe Gibbs racing. Um, we've questioned at times how good he is in the truck series because he's in Kyle Busch Motorsports stuff and he's been sort of inconsistent. But that first race in the Xfinity series, he did no harm to himself. He wound up making a better name for himself because he was consistent. He didn't get in any trouble and he fought for the win, which is pretty impressive in your first time in an Xfinity race. Yeah, I was impressed. I mean, this is a kid who last year I thought he really struggled in the truck series. Um, you know, a Cobbler's truck. We saw him win at Martinsville, but for the majority of the year, he uh, he had a lot of issues. And you sit there and you go, well, it's his rookie year. Um, you know, he's got to learn eventually. Uh, so give him some time. And, and he's gotten some time, and he's really performed pretty well, I think, in the trucks this year. And he was really, really good um, at Richmond the other night in the Xfinity Series, no doubt about it. I, I think it was a, a great um, – First showing for Noah Gregson. I think he's in the car this weekend again at Talladega Super Speedway. Um, you know, we'll preview this a little bit more on Wednesday, and I'm sure we'll have a lot more on the Matt Kenseth situation here. If I'm talking in circles, if you want um, to listen to us on Wednesday night, 
there is an announcement at Rash Fenway on Wednesday to officially announce what we've been talking about here for the first 40 minutes of the show, um, that Kansas will probably drive the sixth car. So we'll have a lot more on that on Wednesday here on Talking Circles. But uh, to preview Talladega a little bit, I know it's not your favorite race. It's plate racing. Um, but it's really a chance for a lot of these teams, a lot of these drivers who don't win, on, don't run up front on a normal basis to go out there and try and pull off a victory. Um, it's, I think it's a lot more compelling, especially in the Xfinity series, because there's no cup drivers in that race. So it's going to be wild because you could see people up there who you never even heard of running in the Xfinity series and trying to win this race. Um, what are your thoughts this weekend on Talladega super speedway? Well, I think, um, you still have to look at the Fords because they've been dominating the plate tracks lately. Um, the person who I think has a, who's due and it's not like anybody ever owes you anything in the sport, but he's had, he's been snake bit a good bit lately is your guy to win at Talladega this week. Um, he was great at Daytona led the most laps there. He's been leading laps all the time and getting caught up in other people's messes. I mean, you looked at wreck he had at Richmond on Saturday night was no doing of his own. It was Stenhouse not realizing he was clear or anything. And, um, it wasn't anything Blaney did. He just got caught up in it. I think Blaney ran great at Daytona. He ran great at Talladega in the fall last year. Uh, he's got Roush Fenway or Roush Yates horsepower under the hood. He's got a good shot at being up there. I think Harvick, Boyer, Kurt Busch, Joey, Brad, this is one of the ones where you'll see again, if Jimmy Johnson has something to show, because the plate track is the ultimate equalizer. And if the Camaros of um, Hendrick Motorsports, this might be the one we said at Daytona, they were just getting their feet wet with them. This is the ninth race of the season or 10th race of the season. And they should have the aerodynamics of this thing down. We'll see how good it drafts. We'll see how good it sucks up. We'll see how good it can do in the lead. This is one of the ones where it's like you'll determine whether how well they run. Hendrick Motorsports is running toward the front. Ford has won five races in a row at Talladega and six of the last seven. Uh, so it's really been a dominated – Ford's really dominated here. Uh, you know, because Lasky's always a threat on these play tracks. I think – you know, I, I put an article out last year discussing who was the best plate racer in NASCAR when Dale Earnhardt Jr. retired, and I said, without a doubt, it's Kozlowski, and I still stand by that. Uh, the guy's got five wins at this place. He, he He's just great um, at Talladega Super Speedway, and I think he's a threat to win again. I like your pick with Blaney. He was far and away, I think, the best car at Talladega or at Daytona for the Daytona 500. Um, it just kind of got shuffled there at the end and, and just couldn't win, but um, no doubt about it. It's going to be exciting to see. I think, like I said, I think the Astro Cash race has made Xfinity a little bit more uh, compelling to watch. Um, and you're going to see a lot of drivers up there who you don't really know who they are because um, the cup drivers aren't allowed in. I think it makes it for a lot better race. And we'll discuss even next week, John, or on Wednesday, about the fact that uh, the cup guys were at the Xfinity race this weekend at Richmond and how that might have helped, uh, you know, make this race a little bit more entertaining. We'll see you next time here on Talking in Circles. Good night, everybody.